0: the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You're going to wind back (laughs) all the advances
1: they made this year in school. (laughs) Old shrimp in a cooler. If there's ever a tailgate (laughs) motto for
0: Vegas, that's it right there. It's time for Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go to Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Much to get to today. Busy, busy world of football to report on. Uh, some UNLV updates coming up in about a half an hour. Lots of Raiders updates. Is an interesting q and I know Candy was all over at Q&A in the local paper with one John Gruden. Yep, Adam Candy is the company today. Ari is here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it.
0: It's trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Adam Candy? How are you? Steve Cofield?
2: (laughs) Not bad. Okay. I never ask, so I figured I'd throw everyone for a loop. I actually, What a a sweetheart you are. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in that kind of mood today. Ready to go. NFL opens up. We just had a great college football weekend that uh, ended yesterday with uh, a lone Monday game with Ole Miss and Louisville. So a lot of football to get to. Uh, The top 25, I usually don't pay too much attention to it, but any chance I get to uh, pat myself on the back before it all blows up in my face, I will do so. Uh, Top 25 is out. Well, updated. Uh, AP, number one is Alabama. I still don't think they're the best team. I think Georgia is the best team. I was saying that during the offseason. Georgia got the job done. First, pat on the back in what I hope will be a, uh, I don't know, 51.3% college football pick season for me. That's a you know, it's what you can hope for, at least. What is it? What, what is it to break even? 51-7, 5 whatever it is. What is it? Uh, 52-4. Ah, 52-4. All right, well, I guess I'm going to lose
1: money. Um. <laughs> yeah, you probably are, especially if you are out here pimping a team that won with zero offensive touchdowns <laughs> on Saturday. It's all about the defense, baby! Defense is always ahead of offense.
2: The offense will come. JT Daniels and company We'll be coming along, but a very interesting game to open the college football season, official week one, Georgia and Clemson. And if you noticed, Arizona State is ranked 23rd, and that is the next opponent up for UNLV. UNLV fell on Thursday to uh, an FCS team, which, hey, so there were some FCS teams that challenged and, in fact, did uh, beat other teams in FBS, but uh, quite the tall task in front of them with uh, Herm and the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they—I mean, look—if they've got to play Herm and the Wildcats, it's going to be tough because taking on both Arizona schools on the same field is going to be a hell of a challenge. Good point. The Sun
2: Devils. (laughs) I I uh, I had the Wildcats. I had the Wildcats at the top of my head. Uh, I had bet Arizona yesterday against San Diego State. I didn't like the way San Diego State looked, and we'll get to all of our college football impressions. Sometimes you got to look deeper than the score. Well, actually, watch the game. Right. And uh, San Diego State won twenty-eight to ten, but it was a freaking dogfight where they got outgained by little old New Mexico State and the Lobo. No, wait, the Aggies.
1: Did hey, I get it right this time? There we are. There
2: we are. Off yeah. to a good start. Well done. Gonna nail the nicknames at some point this season. Uh, news in though on that Georgia team. Did you see that uh, they actually are having, even with a ninety percent vax rate on the team, they are having some COVID issues. So. Every week, every week, we're going to be dealing with this.
1: I mean, the conferences, especially the SEC, have made it as clear as they can. Yeah. They're not getting any leeway from us. Show up to play the game or you lose it. Right. Make sure you're as vaxxed as possible
2: so that there's uh, you're minimizing risk, but there's still some risk out there. So we'll see if Georgia gets through that. I know uh, Kirby Smart said three or four players are affected right now by their latest COVID scare. Hmm. So, I feel like the last couple of days, well, yesterday, the one of the biggest headlines out there for the Raiders candy was Tenor Muse going bye bye. A third round pick in 2020. Your take on this one.
1: Happy birthday to Muse. God, so bad, isn't it? Happy birthday to Muse. What a voice! Here's a tweet that says it's your birthday. Oh, and we released you two good job raiders really solid work there You're, to have that uh, scheduled tweet and not get that one pulled down your song was so beautiful and yet
2: because of the connection it actually cut out in the crescendo so but we got it
1: that really it makes me feel very very Unreal. sad um yeah <laughs> so
2: beautiful
0: so Thank well you. set up
1: yeah you know uh the whole idea basically being um the raiders managed to send out a tweet saying happy birthday to Tanner Muse My God. on the same day. They cut him. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, maybe not the social media experience they were looking for. But look, in the end here, what are we coming back to? Another third-round pick burned by this team, right? I mean, Lin Bowden never even played a snap for the Raiders. Tanner Muse never even played a real snap for the Raiders. We were talking about Tanner Muse taking first-team reps during camp this year. Mm-hmm. So, but by the, by the way, the Raiders, we, we,
2: let's break in, though. Adam Hill, who's on the Raiders beat, much more embedded than we are, did say repeatedly on the flow of good news that was coming out about Tanner Muse that that defense that he was listed as a starter in was going to be on the field, like, less than 15% of the time. And, obviously, things changed, you know, the last 10, 10 days or so because they added more linebackers. But the original point being, if – You've got three third-round picks, and your GM is talking about having three third-round picks is like stealing. When two of them are gone before their second season, that ain't good.
1: Well, and the point is, if even if you're going to say, all right, so he's on the field 15% of the time, cool. Um, there's a big difference between this is a yes. guy we wanted for special teams right. and being on the field 15% of the time and no longer being on the, on the roster when you bring in Denzel Perryman, who wasn't going to work out in Carolina and obviously KJ Wright is a big upgrade anyway you slice it but look at the fact that they kept divine Diablo from this year's draft class you Mm -hmm. kept a rookie who you drafted in the middle rounds over a guy in Tanner Muse who you used a third round pick on just last year so really you you have to keep asking what's the philosophy when it comes to drafting for the Raiders because there's not a lot to show for the Gruden Mayock years beyond Hunter Renfro
2: Tanner Muse not around for now Javen White still around on IR, but Javen White still around. He was actually at the UNLV game on the sidelines on Thursday night. No brace on, so we'll see when he can return. But, um, you know, one doesn't make up for the other. The fact that an undrafted free agent may be a player for you for, uh, you know, quite a few years. Those those third-round picks are so freaking important. And, you know, we pointed out in the past, uh, you know, a good example of a a third who's still on a roster in Brandon Parker. Well, Brandon Parker was picked ahead of Fred Warner, who's turned into a hell of a player. For the Niners, so you can get good you know you can get good players in the third fourth and fifth round and you can't squander these freaking picks
1: no and we're not talking about oh Fred Warner well uh, good they have a rotation piece <laughs> no Fred Warner is the best coverage linebacker in the NFL right now yeah, right. and just got signed to a massive extension yep yeah. and so you know look I'll give the Raiders plenty of credit for a guy in Renfro who has put up two pretty solid seasons uh, <laughs> since he's been here so good on hunter renfro but man there are a lot of other spots where you look at the raiders and say second round picks third round picks, fourth first, round picks. first i'm trying to leave the obvious out of the yes, equation there yes, but first yeah there's a there's a lot left to be desired we'll
2: be screaming and yelling maybe about henry ruggs because uh, john gruden's not happy with the uh, ratings on henry ruggs and yet espn says henry ruggs will be a breakout player that's coming up In the Big Five. I saw a comment from uh, Dan Orlovsky, who's an NFL expert, but uh, frankly, maybe he's a little too far away from the Raiders' situation. to understand what's going on here in the power structure. He uh, tweeted out, John Gruden is not on the hot seat for the Raiders. Derek Carr is not on the hot seat for Raiders. Mike Mayock is. What? Do you believe that?
1: Do I believe that John Gruden is not on the hot seat? I absolutely believe that because when John Gruden's seat – is Mark Davis's lap, it's never getting all that warm. Uh, Derek Carr on the other end, yeah, Derek Carr will always have a seat that is warm-ish when this team doesn't succeed because it's just life in the NFL. If you have a quarterback who, for as many years as Derek Carr has been here, has not had the success that the franchise would like, then right or wrong, whether you're the problem or not, they're going to be looking at you saying, can we do better?
2: And you think on the personnel end of things that Mayock could be the fall guy and John Gruden would escape in that scenario? If, they, if they're concerned about, you know, wins and losses is what it's going to come down to. But uh, if they're concerned about, you know, seeing a guy like Tanner Mews go bye-bye when he's a third-round pick from a couple of years ago, Mike Mayock's the guy to blame?
1: Well, let me ask you a question, Steve. <laughs> Does John Gruden ever turn the finger around and point it in himself? That's not really been a quality that we've seen a lot of uh, from Gruden in the time that he's been in Las Vegas. So if he's not going to point the finger at himself as the personnel director, then it's going to be Mike Mayock who ends up in front of the bus if someone ultimately has to be sacrificed.
2: Openers coming up on a Monday as the uh, Ravens are in town. We'll get into uh, more of the Ravens breakdown as the show moves along. But uh, Q&A that uh, just came out with uh, John Gruden and the folks at the Review Journal. I know Candy got some a uh, strong story, strong angle, strong <laughs> topics out of this one including the latest on uh, John Gruden and Derek Carr and their relationship.
0: Nova Home Loans brings you trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova Loan Officer 877 700 Nova. Any opportunity is an opportunity to play football, and we're all excited to do just that. Um, having fans back in the crowd is a big thing for us because, honestly, we play football to give a show, to show our best attributes, everything we can do. So it would be nice being able to do that in front of people. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. studio.
2: Adam Candy's alongside Cofield. here. hear Corey Littleton, Raiders, looking for a much bigger season than he had a year ago when he uh, struggled with the scheme and whatever else we want to uh, put the blame on. Uh, they need Corey Littleton to play well. They need K.J. Wright to play well. Uh, K.J. Wright no longer with Seattle, but Tanner Muse is. So uh, that just came down in the last uh, 10 minutes that Tanner Mews, big story yesterday that he was cut third-rounder in 2020. Uh, the Raiders, I guess, passed on him. Uh, trying to bring him back to the practice squad. So he's now a Seahawk on the practice squad. And should I do the, the stupid thing I did like a month ago where I was talking about how much candy I miss the old AFC West days and the Seahawks arrival? And last time I did it, I got mocked and chided because the Seahawks have been out of the division for quite a while now. So, but, you know,
1: I'm old. Things die hard. Dave Craig, Steve Largent. I'm trying to do like an NFL Films version of the yeah. old AFC West Seahawks. I remember him. I remember him well. Yeah, I think that's why I. I,
2: I think that's how I thought it was uh, more recent than it it was when they were in the same division. Watching the uh, the football life with Largent and watching you know Mike Harden Raider and Broncos on the Broncos freaking light them up and that whole thing. So seeing Raiders highlights. Damn it, I miss it. I feel like Seattle should be a rival, like they will be. We think in the NHL. For VGK? Kraken. (laughs) The Kraken, yes. The Kraken. So, we'll see what happens with uh, Tanner Mews if he actually makes it onto the roster at some point in Seattle and they turn him into a good player if the Raiders made a mistake, but we'll be tracking that uh, for a while. So, uh, John Gruden conversation with the uh, the local paper, and there were a bunch of things in there, and we'll get to uh, his confidence level and if he feels pressure and his answer on that. But you found his
1: comments on one Derek Carr pretty interesting. We've spent the last three plus years talking about does John Gruden want to push out Derek Carr? We did the whole Tom Brady is in Vegas talking to Mark Davis thing. We've done the Aaron Rodgers trade rumors. We've done the Russell Wilson trade rumors. And every time it comes back to the Raiders saying, No, Derek's, you know, Derek's our guy. Derek's a good quarterback. But it's never that that voice that says, This is ridiculous there's no way we would get rid of Derek Carr there's no way we would trade him it's never that vote of confidence Cofield I felt like this one was as close as we've come John Gruden answering a question from the RJ said well I came out of retirement to coach this guy (laughs) interesting I know Gruden says a lot of things, and there's a lot of hyperbole, and there's always a weird phrasing to it that nobody else but Gruden can put in his Grudenisms, but when you say, I came out of retirement to coach Derek Carr, you make it very clear that that was one of the attractive pieces about coming into a situation that, frankly, if you remember, when John Gruden got here, we all looked at it and thought, Well, there's some pieces in place from that 12-win season with Jack Del Rio two years ago. Just a matter of Gruden coming in, taking this roster, and doing something with it. And Gruden came in and looked at it and said, Nope, blow it up. (laughs) With the exception of Derek Carr. Carr. And Derek Carr is still here. So does that mean Derek Carr is going to be here long term? Yeah. At least gives you a feeling that, that John Gruden is thinking about it. He's the QB of now
2: and the future. I think he just told you we're going to sign him to an extension. Yep, word for word. Or yeah, or, you... or this is just some preseason babble that maybe we shouldn't pay attention to
1: too seriously. I'll take it for something more than I've taken a lot of the stuff I've heard from Gruden in the right, past, right. largely because this franchise has spent every offseason with QB rumors. So now, what do we think going into the future? Well, the Raiders don't have a lot of options, right? Because this team is going to consistently finish the way they have it set up in, what, the 10 to 15 range in the draft? If they continue to win seven, eight, nine games, they're not going to be in a position to pick a quarterback without trading a haul of picks. And they're going to have to luck out. And hope that it's a year like this year where five quarterbacks go in the top 15 if they want to build it that way. And how often do quarterbacks get the free agency that you actually have an interest in? Because if your idea is we'll go get a veteran, then good luck when you sign that Kirk Cousins contract and you've got Derek Carr in the full. I just feel like if you're not committing to Derek Carr, then this franchise is talking about a total and complete rebuild that I don't think Gruden Mayock will be here for.
2: Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're like you said, they're not in for a rebuild when, I'm going to say, you're as old, not that John Gruden's old. What is he, 58? If at that age you come up short of making the playoffs again, then they're going to make a bold move, and they are going to make a run at Aaron Rodgers.
1: Make all the runs you want, but I don't know that you're going to be able to present the situation that Aaron Rodgers wants to go to. If a lot, I'm Aaron Rodgers right lot, now... A lot,
2: a lot can change, because if... Who are the other options? The Broncos?
1: I think we all look at the Broncos as the number one option. But the thing is, if a guy like Aaron Rodgers truly is available, and we won't know that for a few months, then I don't think we've seen everybody who's willing to move on from their mediocre quarterback situation at the end of this season.
2: Yeah, I, I don't believe the Broncos are the number one option. Mm, I'm not even sure. Well, this could be a positive or it could be a negative. I'm not sure that Vic Fangio is the coach next year. So, at that point, who's the coach? Is that person attractive to Rodgers? So, uh, I would would wait on proclaiming John Gruden's long-term love for Derek Carr until we see what happens this year. So, what
1: happens then if Aaron Rodgers is just evaluating situations at the end of this year? Because if he were to have looked at this roster this year, I don't think there's any way Aaron Rodgers is pushing for a trade to the Raiders because look at the receiving core. Look at the offensive line. Uh, frankly, in both situations, Denver or a lot of other places are better options than Vegas. So a, a lot's going to have to change, I think, for Aaron Rodgers to look at Vegas and say, that's where I want to go. Another story where I'm a little hesitant to jump in feet first. Uh, anytime you see a
2: poll about uh, least-like, most-liked, most liked, you know, Q rating, all this stuff. Uh, this almost pushed out by the Action Network, but I guess the polling service is... Uh, Linkfluence, A-N, is that what it's called? They reviewed social listening data to analyze negative sentiment of teams from the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MLB, MLS, uh, between July 2020 and July 2021. And according to this, the team that received the most negative sentiment online are the Las Vegas Raiders. Phooey. Huey. Bluey, whatever else. I don't believe this. As far as I can throw you, Candy, and you weigh like 140 pounds. uh, One, I don't think the Raiders are that relevant around the country that they get that much negative sentiment. Sorry, but I don't think that's the case. And the other one is five of the top eight teams receiving negative sentiment on social media. Maybe I follow the wrong people, and I don't see this. Five of the eight teams are from the NHL?
1: Come on. Stop. Stop. Depends on where the tweets came from, if they included huh. all of North America, <laughs> right. because this could have gotten a little nasty. Those Canadians hate the,
2: the Canadians hate the Raiders. I've always known that. Every what is their problem?
1: Canadian. We're, it still goes back to that damn game up in the preseason when the end zone was like five sure. yards too short. Sure. We're still pissed off about all that. And you, sir, can expect a call from the FCC over Fooey, Hooey, and Bluey. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I Come don't on. really buy this in the slightest. Um the only way I buy it is if they're analyzing the sentiment that Raiders fans themselves put out there and all the negativity Man. they put out there about their own team. But here's
2: the thing. I, I also I think the the negative Raiders fans are freaking countered by like over the top, jubilant, exuberant, freaking glass
1: overflowing Raiders fans. Yeah, I mean look. Uh, you, you could stack a lot of bricks on both sides there, right? Like, you could make it look any way you want when it comes to hate versus love when it comes to Raiders fans. But in the end, the, the whole idea of most hated, how do you put any sort of methodology to these things? How do you put any sort of understanding of what it even means to be Hated on social media for God's sakes! Everybody's hated on social media somewhere.
2: Uh, couch football update on the way back. Uh, interesting week for the top 25. Uh, this is great. I started out the show patting myself on the back because the top 25, the AP has uh, has delivered on uh, my prediction that Georgia was going to be really, 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 really freaking good. And I think they're the number one team in the country. And now I'm going to tell you that the top 25 means nothing because eight top 25 teams lost this past weekend.
0: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. It's really difficult. Like right now, it's really difficult, yes. But, you know, as a man, you got to understand and learn from your mistakes. And get better from it. You can't look at this loss and hang on to it all season. We got 11 more games to go, so we got to focus on those 11 games. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Findlay Toyota Studio. The voice of UNLV running back Charles Williams
2: right after the loss against Eastern Washington, FCS, Eastern Washington. We'll get to some of the other FCS success in week one, but Candy, I wanted to give a couple updates. From the last couple days of UNLV practice and also uh, Marcus Arroyo's Monday press conference. So, no shocker, Doug Brumfield will be the starter against Arizona State.
1: Good decision? What other decision could you make after (laughs) watching that game last week? I gotcha, yeah.
2: I think Justin Rogers at some point can play if needed, but he just it was just too slow again. The game seemed to be going too fast for him, and he just could not pull the trigger. And the offense completely changed uh, after a
1: series or two with Brumfield in the game. UNLV at least has to give itself a chance against a team like Arizona State. I mean, when you look at the explosiveness that that offense can possess for the Sun Devils, then... You say to yourself that you have to at least have a chance to score with them a little bit, and at least Doug Broomfield appears to give the Rebels that.
2: Uh, one of the key moments late in the game, UNLV had a chance to drive in regulation for a potential field goal in the you know or touchdown uh, to win the game. Uh, Instead, it wound up going to overtime. They got uh, a break. uh, The Eastern Washington kicker missed one at the buzzer. But you remember the possession that set up the field goal was all caused by an interception. And it was one of more than a few passes that uh, Brumfield zipped down the field that went off the hands or through the hands of Rebel receivers. And Marcus Royo did say yesterday, I was asking him, uh, you know, Basically, what's, what's the deal on that? Does Doug have to take a little zip off the ball or is that on the receivers? And without hesitation, he's like, no. Nah. He's like, the receivers have – he's like, no. He's not taking zip off it. The receivers have to catch the ball. And in most of those cases, it wasn't – yeah, listen. If it's if it's a, a freaking 100-mile-an-hour fastball and, you know, it's a receiver on a freaking bubble screen or a bat coming out of the backfield, it's one thing. It was downfield. So uh, he was on the side of the receivers have to freaking catch the ball.
1: And maybe that's just something – very honestly, that UNLV's receivers are not used to, right? I mean, that is the sort of thing that I we used to read about this all the time when it came to John Elway in Denver, about how high they had to turn up that jugs machine with the ball coming out at 80-odd miles an hour to get NFL receivers used to the speed the ball was coming down the field. And maybe that's just an adjustment period with Doug Broomfield coming in.
2: Uh, some other updates, Uh depth chart, Kylan Wilborn bumps ahead of LaShawn Bell. LaShawn Bell's a little dinged up. He's the... Uh, Second-year freshman, we'll call him, out of Calabasas High School. Um, but he did play in the first game, and he got dinged up a little bit. Brendan Scott did not suit up. He's another highly-touted, you know, three, three-and-a-half-star guy out of Dallas. Uh, he wears number 22. He might be a go. He didn't suit up for Eastern Washington. He might be a go for the game against Arizona State. Uh team's a little thin in terms of linebackers. Uh, Austin Ajake, uh, good surprise in game one. He spoke yesterday, so he's developing as a leader. He had 10 tackles. Um, and uh, a couple of important notes on injuries. It does look like Noah Bean, who really was a good contributor a couple of years ago, um, you know, more of a pass catching tight end versus Faolo. Faolo can do a little of everything, but Noah Bean's, you know, he's a fast guy to size. It looks like he's down for the season with an injury, so their tight end ranks get a little thinner. And would you like a Tate Martell update?
1: I would love a Tate Martell update.
2: Well, you know, the the, the few people ask me stuff about uh, UNLV football on Twitter, you know, there's always questions about Tate Martell, and I've been saying the same thing the whole time. He did not suit up against Eastern Washington. He is still trying to get full clearance for this right thumb injury. Um, he did serve last week as a scout quarterback, so he was throwing a lot last week. So they're still a little ways away from getting him on the field until they get 100% on that thumb. I guess the, the worry would be if he gets tackled, you know, throwing is one thing, but if he got tackled, and we know that Tate Martell has some wheels, that if he gets tackled and he, you know, he lands on the hand, puts the hand down as a brace, he could jack it up for even longer. So probably be. Well, I'm not going to go Dr. Cofield here. It's going to be a little more time. So, but I think. As I've been telling everyone, I think once he's ready to go, I think he's going to be in the mix for something. Now, it depends on – this is a really interesting situation coming up. Like, I suppose if they if they play two close games, if they pulled off a massive upset against one of these teams and Brumfield is brilliant, then he's got the job. But, you know, Brumfield's going to face some some real obstacles here the next couple of weeks. These are tough, tough opponents.
1: I think the idea here has to be, if you're Marcus Arroyo, that these two games are for experimentation. You have to let Doug Broomfield, based on what he did against Eastern Washington, have the start. Does that mean he's going to finish the game? Who knows? And if you're UNLV and you're getting to a spot where you're down 35-0, then do whatever you need to do to find out what you think this team has. And like you said, Cofield, if it's the other side, if UNLV's hanging in the game, and if UNLV's making a game out of it, then congratulations. you answered your own question because whether or not Broomfield is the reason for it, the team is responding around him one way or the other. So if you're Marcus Arroyo right now and you're being honest about your situation, then you look at these next two weeks against Arizona State and against Iowa State and say, I just want to learn something about my team for the rest of the year because the odds of winning either game are so slim. Uh, let's look around the world
2: of college football after Week One. This is my favorite week to bet because I think the overreactions are completely out of control. Um, listen, I have no idea if Washington can beat Michigan, but if I'm correct, wasn't this game like a pick two weeks ago? And now, what's the latest numbers? It's six. Michigan is favorite. It's stuff like that where uh, you know I get a little antsy going into Week Two, um, and all those top twenty-five teams that lost. You, you don't you know jump off jump over the, the side of the ship because they, they lost a the game. Now, the Washington one's a, l- a little worrisome. Uh, and by the way, on the other side of that, Montana and Bobby Houck, huh? I guess the guy can coach a little bit.
1: Back home where he knows he can do it. Yeah. There it is, Bobby Houck <laughs> and Montana. By the way, that good stat on that Washington loss at home to Montana. That is the fifth time in the history of the top 25 that a ranked team has lost to an FCS side.
2: Can I say something that I think you're gonna you're gonna say is really stupid? I I know we like to tout the haves and the have nots and the gap getting bigger. I actually don't believe it. I think this year there's gonna be a lot more balance around college football. And I think the fact that a lot of the group of five schools and and, you know, many FCS schools got a lot, you know, a ton of their super seniors back. I'm not saying the big programs didn't, but there were a lot of competitive FCS games. I was, uh, watching games, the rest, of the kind of the, the second half of the day on Saturday, there were a lot of teams in games. I mean, obviously Kansas was taken to the brink. Freaking Colorado State got that. Like that was not a fluke. That game, they got friggin' rolled and overpowered.
1: If uh, if Marcus Arroyo were feeling bad after the loss to Eastern Washington, if he thought to himself. In any way, reasonable or unreasonable, that there will be a hot seat for him anywhere near after losing to an FCS team, go talk to Steve Adazio. Go yeah. see what's going on up there at Colorado State, because that hire has been an unmitigated disaster from day one, from the way they handled COVID last year to that travesty last week.
2: Yeah. Overpowered in the kind of football he likes to play, freaking smash-mouth football. Uh, is this an overreaction UCLA is good, not great. LSU
1: is maybe not good. Steve, you talked about playing the overreactions from week one to week two. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was catching the best of the overreactions to UCLA week sure. one against Hawaii, week zero against Hawaii, yeah. in playing LSU this past week. Yeah. I laid the points early yeah, in so, the week with so LSU. Did so did
2: I. So did I. Yeah,
1: and I thought to myself, I'm on the right side of this because I have watched. DTR and chip Kelly struggle in these games. And this was actually the kind of formula that I look and say, all right, maybe just maybe chip's figuring something out here, 470 yards. But you know what? The most impressive thing to me is DTR only threw the ball 16 times. They gained 260 yards and scored three touchdowns on those while they ran for 210 on average, four and a half per carry. If you're running for four and a half a carry and you're only asking Dorian Thompson Robinson to complete a few and to get some explosive plays, then maybe you have something offensively. Now I'm not going to overreact because look at what we saw out of that LSU defense last year when they couldn't run Bo Pelini out of town fast enough because they made Mississippi state and KJ Costello look like superstars in week one. And that was a team that tanked the rest of the season. KJ Costello didn't even last into mid-season. So it's a team in LSU that has made some mediocre offenses look good. But two weeks in, you have to at least say that UCLA is turning some heads. Are you going to get your uh, sissy blue UCLA shirt? Oh, Cofield, you know how good <laughs> I look in powder blue.
2: <laughs> I don't. Well known.
1: That's, that, that is not a
2: slimming color for me, but... Uh, and I'm not a UCLA fan, but that is a funny T-shirt. So, Ed Orgeron trying to talk a little trash out outside the Rolls Bowl before the game. And, uh, you know, in his gravelly voice, you could barely understand. But, he's you know, he's like, hey, getting rocked up, sissy blue. So, shoved right back in his fat. I, he's not a fat face anymore, actually. He got he got divorced, and now he's in very good shape. So, I can't take a uh-huh. shot at like that. Good on you, Eddie
1: O. Yeah. Good on you.
2: Sissy blue T-shirts ready to go. They, I think they actually put it up on uh, the UCLA football account, too, on Twitter. Uh, Later in the show. I
1: think it's the pin tweet, yeah.
2: Later in the show. It is the pin tweet, you're right. Later in the show, I want to get to more college football, uh, some of the plays you put in, some of the plays I put in. Sam Paniadovich is going to join us. But up next, fantasy football roundup, a little real estate talk. Our buddy from Nova Home Loans, 577-2600 is his number. Dustin DeHart is on the way.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time to trust us. Presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call him today at 577 2600. Trust us time. We talk
2: a little fantasy football every week, a little real estate with our buddy Dustin DeHart from Nova Home Loans. 577 2600 is a number to call Dustin. Dustin, should they call you for fantasy football drafting advice? No,
3: <laughs> not after this year. <laughs> How many leagues are you in? I'm in three. Okay. So the first was yours, the ESPN league, and uh, yeah, I don't feel so great about that league, you know. But you know what's funny, Steve? More often than not, the drafts that I come out of that I hate, I, I seem to do well in, and then vice versa is the guys like, oh, I, there's no way I'm losing this league, and then I barely make the playoffs. So, but yeah, this this one's tough. We'll talk about it.
2: Our uh, our league setup was 14 teams, so that's pretty aggressive. And we did an auction and there were several people in the league who'd never done an auction before. So it was kind of hard to figure out what the prices were going to be. I thought you put together a solid team. I think you're a little light on depth because uh, the end of the draft was a little tougher. But uh, what was your impression of a 14 team fantasy football league?
3: yeah so my other league same thing it's 14 team auction league steve and but it would like we have what's called roster integrity and i always make fun of the guys i'm like we're the only team or the only leagues since the 1980s that still has this and uh, you know they're reasoning why is so there's actually something left on the waiver wire and i like, kind of get it because literally steve in this league that we're in right now not only are the handcuffs taken but the handcuffs of the handcuffs are all gone for running yeah. packs i mean it's literally nothing and yeah i messed up i uh I didn't know I was bidding. I think it was Mostert. and uh, next thing I know, I got him for thirty-five dollars. And I think the rest of my team was max bid was a dollar. And uh, yeah, because there were some guys I wanted to go after, and you know, I'm like, oh, I'll get him for a dollar, and somebody gets him for two. So. Yeah, the uh, late end of the draft kind of screwed me. I have no depth. It's uh, You know, this guy, John Hanson, I listen to for fantasy advice. He calls sure. it skank league, you know, because it's only stink <laughs> left on the waiver wire. And, like, I've seen, you know, after week three or four, I've seen some leagues where there's not a whole lot. there. There's literally nothing left on the waiver wire. It's crazy. So it's, uh, hopefully I don't have one injury. It's thin.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Well, your main players, you got Saquon Barkley. Like you mentioned, you got Mostert. You paid, uh, I think, top dollar for uh, DK Metcalf. Um, so I think a lot of the season is going to hinge on one Saquon Barkley being Saquon Barkley and also one yeah, of your quarterbacks exactly. stepping up and being a really good quarterback in Jalen Hurts. You roll the dice yeah. on Deshaun Watson. And you also got number two pick Zach Wilson. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Saquon might, you know, look, you know, if, if it's in a vacuum, you know, I mean, I get you know, injury concerns. are there, They're there, but in a 14 team league, you've got, you got to roll the dice. You know, you got to take some risks. He's cheaper than some of the big boys. You know, the offensive line concerns are probably more of a concern to me than the injury. I feel like, you know, if he gets injured again, then he's probably done. But, you know, gosh, if he can get back to what he's supposed to be. Yeah, he was reasonably priced. And then, yeah, DK Metcalf, of course, I I like him. But then, you know, one pick later, Calvin Ridley went for $13 less. So I would have much rather had that. So that's the beauty of an auction league. You just don't know what you're going to get. It's
2: great if you want someone, you can get them, and that, that's why it's a little But, you know, yeah. you also may lock horns with one other person who really wants that yeah. person, and then all of a sudden it goes through the freaking roof. Um, what do you think of your tight ends? You got uh, John Dewey Smith, but your starter is Hawkinson. I guess more accurately, Dustin Hartsworth with us. So talking a little fantasy football. Uh, you got Hawkinson, but uh, yeah. there were a bunch of us who went crazy over Kittle and yeah. Kelsey and Waller, and, you know, literally the fourth and fifth guys went for, like, $40 less than the big three.
3: Yeah, not, I none of the leagues I'm in. Uh I went with the big 3. Uh Andrews in another league and then you know, Hawkinson and then uh yeah, then Andrews in the other. So two Andrews and a Hawkinson. I am good with that, you know. John Smith's going to be a good backup, I think. So, you know, thankfully, you know, I didn't overspin on that cuz I literally have nobody, but you, you you went Kelsey, right? Did you get Kelsey? I, I did get
2: Kelsey in this yeah. one, and I have another league I got Waller. My philosophy this year I was I was going to get one of those guys. And we'll see how it goes. But the thing is, it cost me in, uh, in this league, it cost me running back. So I had to get more of the kind of those guys in like the 12 to 20 range of running back. So we'll see if they work out and a ton of receivers, yeah, though, a, ton of in receivers. In a 14
3: team league, under. you're, you're always going to have a hole. You know what I mean? I and if you go after one of the big three, you're probably going to have a couple holes. So, yeah, you just got to go after those lower end running backs, and hopefully they hit and put. I was going to say work the way for a while, but that probably ain't going to work yeah. for you this year. Well,
2: <laughs> I uh, I wound up getting uh, Josh Jacobs, who I think a lot of people are down on now because yeah. Kenyon Drake yep. is here in yep. Vegas, and I also got David Montgomery, who's you know probably better suited as a third or fourth running back. But what I didn't sure. want to do is have to pay through the nose for guys mm-hmm. like Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Taylor, and you know that kind of that that's that next group down at running back, and they still cost mm-hmm. a lot of money.
3: They did. Yeah, you've got a good team. It's balanced. Even though you you spent a lot of money on Kelsey, I like your team. I think you're uh, one of the top teams for sure. So, yeah, it works out. You know, I mean, the problem is, you know, if Kelsey goes down, then you're really screwed. But of course. I, I guess you could say that with anybody, right? Like yeah. if Saquon Barkley goes down, I, I have no team left. So we'll see what happens. What did you yeah, think of two
2: high-priced rookies? Dustin Hartswell? with us talking a little fantasy football. We did a league last week. I know a lot of people are drafting this week. And next couple of days, right up to the opener, on Thursday, what do you think of high-priced rookies like Kyle Pitts and Najee Harris?
3: Yeah, so you know, with Kyle Pitts, it's kind of a lottery pick, right? We don't know what we're going to get. We could be talking about him next year, you know, in the same realm of Travis Kelsey, or you know, or is it this year that he's actually going to be a good tight end? You know what I mean? So I uh, thirty, but I don't, I, I can't remember what I spent on Hawkinson, but I I think that's fair. Uh, Najee Harris, I think he went for fifty-four. That that seems fair as well. You know, like, especially in Pittsburgh, they're going to pound the ball and they're going to run it. And I, you know, he's a good back. So I don't don't think those were over, you know, egregiously high prices. I I, do you. Uh,
2: I'm not entirely sure that Najee Harris is going to be a top notch producer. And with Pitts, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's fire everywhere. The, the upside on, on Pitts is tremendous, but there's also no real proof that rookie tight ends are real contributors in fantasy football. It just, it does not happen. So yeah, uh, you're right. But he may, you know, someone, Hey, listen, if you told me that Justin Jefferson was going to go, you know, freaking 1400 yards and double digit touchdowns last year, I wouldn't have believed that either.
3: But on the same token, I re- remember you saying, I'll let all these knuckleheads spend $75 on Clyde. All- uh, Clyde. All- I can't ever say his name. The Chiefs, sorry, yeah. the Chiefs running back. And look, look how that panned out for him. And he, so, yeah, yeah. He,
2: he was somewhat productive, but he certainly wasn't a top 10. Certainly not running no. back. No. Um, so 577, is a number. Dustin DeHart is with us. Talk a little fantasy football as the final drafts are going down. Next couple of days, uh, as you mentioned, in the league we're in because of the 14-team league, it's very thin. Man, if you didn't get a running back, uh, now it's just a waiting game to see who goes down and who emerges. Someone There'll, there'll be a couple of guys who emerge, but right now, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, in our league, the most I thought the most intriguing guys, and these are like deep backups, are Wayne Gallman and uh, Cordell Patterson, uh, Patterson, Malcolm Brown, mm-hmm. Boston Scott. I mean, like you're getting the maybe the second or the third stringer in some cases. So you just got to roll the dice.
3: Yeah. And those guys aren't going to win you any fantasy leagues, but obviously, you know, you're going to need to, you're going to need some depth. I'm, I'm literally at three running backs, So I do have to grab somebody, you know, and yeah, you're going to, you know, in, in in most leagues, you can go after the handcuff, you know, and kind of, again, being a lottery pick and, you know, if there is a, there is an injury then you can plug that guy in but these guys yeah that's they're probably not winning any leagues but geez it's it is really bottom of the barrel you know the receivers there's there's a few out there still left actually the two guys i'm looking for you don't even have on this list so I'll okay be good quiet about them yeah yeah no, good, <laughs> good. one of them edwards i'll just say it. I, I i just think brian edwards is gonna have a great year i don't know you know and i know i could be crazy but i just think he's the best receiver on the raiders and they're gonna throw the ball a lot and i, I think he's in for a good year and I, I could be a good place to see him there. Yeah, we'll see. And now I probably won't get him because I said
2: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> You shouldn't have said it. Uh, Nova Home Loans. Dump that. Dump that, Ari. Uh, Nova Home Loans. Custom <laughs> is with us. 577-2600. All right. What's cooking this week in terms of local real estate, uh, the rates? What's happening?
3: Yeah, well, we're going to get the housing numbers out this week, Steve. I'm really excited to see what that is. You know, we, we've, we've definitely calmed down a little bit. You know, supplies has gone up. Sales have gone down a little bit, but... My, you know we are were, we're hit we're sitting at 405 i still think we're gonna go up but you know my guess is we'll we'll hover around that 410 at mark you know going into next year maybe start to level out a bit so you know great time to go buy a house if you've been priced out and you've made a bunch of offers couldn't get something accepted and again you know, rates are still almost at historic lows you know we're doing mortgage tune-ups every day saving people money and uh you know that's not going to last forever either so give us a call and let's get that done for you
2: and think about it if you can get a you know a mortgage that's thirteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. apartments are starting to get up there now I mean I just uh, saw that there's a, another mega apartment complex that's gonna be built I think it's on mall near uh, mm-hmm. Buffalo and, and Cimarron and um, you know that's that's where the market is actually getting some inventory is with apartments but do you want to be paying a landlord or an apartment complex forever
3: yeah I think the median price for a one bedroom apartment is right around 1300 a month right now that's crazy It's crazy, crazy I mean, from where it used to be it is it's insane and these investors this isn't something new these investors have been gobbling up these huge apartment complexes for the last few years paying crazy money and they're uh, they're they're looking like mad geniuses right now we just have a housing shortage and people have to get what they have to get just to live somewhere it's crazy but if you can you buy a house that's obviously the best yeah. best option to look at for sure
2: And you you won't know unless you call, so give Dustin a call at 577-2600. It's 577-2600. Dustin, good job or good luck with the pickups, and uh, week one of Fantasy is on the way, so we'll have a review of how we did in the opening week next week. Yeah, can't wait.
3: See you guys.
0: Trust Us is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call today at 577-2600 to learn how to purchase a home with $20,000 in down payment assistance. Dial up Dustin now, 577-2600.